You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Enos Cantor, what are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at LockedOnBulls. Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Hit us up with your voicemails, your text messages, all of your questions, either on social media, or hit us up on our voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Happy Monday. Welcome back, Bulls fans. And, of course, without a little bit of a step back by me, we had our Bobby Portis event this weekend. And the first thing I have to say is Bobby brought his own damn ball. That was about the sum, summing up the entire two, three game, what did we play? Uh, best of three game series. He brought his own damn ball, man. But Didn't, uh, didn't need that third game, did you? <laughs> didn't need the third game. I do have to say this, though. The event, for those that did come out and that are listening, it went smoothly. It was a fantastic event. It seemed like everybody that showed up had a great time. The food was excellent. Kings was more than excellent as far as putting on the event. And everybody that showed up seemed like they had a really great time. And most importantly, Bobby Portis had a really great time. And I don't think there's enough enough great things that we can say about Bobby and our interactions with him, our conversation with him, too, which you guys will be able to hear hopefully tomorrow, crossing our fingers on that, our entire conversation with him. But Bobby Portis, man, Bulls fans, we've got a real one here. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. What's going on, Jordan? Um, not really a happy Monday, but just a Monday. Um I think the, the only negative of our event on Saturday is that I had to give an autographed Dennis Rodman picture to a goddamn Packers fan. Um, that was <laughs> that was rough. Um, man. Ugh. I mean, I guess 
you know, I guess I'm happy that we're, we're going to talk about the Bulls NBA basketball today to take my mind off of that. Um, because those of you who are Bears fans in addition to Bulls fans, that was a tough one to swallow last night. But overall takeaway of the weekend was that, yeah, we had an awesome time with Bobby. And again, shout out to Kings, uh, Jamie, Rovi, their, uh, their location manager there, Jamie, their events coordinator, everyone on that staff. They, they knocked it out of the park. So helpful, so easy to work with. And uh, like you said, I think everyone that came out had a great time. Uh, it was awesome to, to get to meet some of our, our listeners and uh, our quote-unquote fans. Uh, shout out to all of you who were there and were just excited. Well, not just as excited, but almost as excited to, to hang out with Jordan and myself as you were with Bobby. Because, like, that's ridiculous. We're just fans. Um, but, yeah, obviously, the biggest takeaway is that Bobby had a right to talk smack about his bowling skills, and you did not. I mean, okay, I'll give you this. If you took your game two against his game one, it would have looked like a close competition. But he stepped his game up in game two. What did he bowl? He bowled like a 256 in yep, his second 256 game. 256 in his second game. Nobody was beating him either. Like, let's be honest. Anybody in that room that was watching us. You, nobody could stand up there and bowl up 256 like Bobby. And once Bobby got on a roll, too, it was game over. I mean, Bobby, I think, had five or six strikes in a row in that second he had, game. He had a stretch of five strikes in a row, and I had to ask people. And I was like, I don't even know what to call that because <laughs> I know that three in a row is a turkey, um, and then four is a ham bone, and then somebody said five is like a, a five hammer or a, I don't know. But whatever it was, yeah, Bobby did that. And it was. I think it's just because he noticed you. You stepped your game up a little bit in game two, got got the jitters out, warmed up a little bit, and so Bob was like, "Oh, okay, now I actually have to try." And he added another a hundred points onto his score. Unbelievable! So the scouting report I got from Coach Anderson at the University of Arkansas, who I contacted a couple of weeks ago, on top of one of his former teammates, Trey Thompson. They were going back and forth with me saying, yeah, Bobby's a pretty good bowler. His average is probably between 140 and 160. Yeah, that was flat wrong. That was that was flat <laughs> wrong. Bobby shot a 163 in his first game and then a 256 in his second. Um, I would just say this, too. It didn't it couldn't have got any worse from the first frame that we started, because I will admit the ball got stuck and I guttered it twice in the first frame which is not bad if double you're, gutter hey if you're double it, gutter to start the event i was laughing my ass if there's off. any place to do a double gutter that won't hurt you it will be in the first frame if you know anything about bowling um so yeah that happened still not still not the goal it's not great not it was, the goal it was not great frame. it was not great <laughs> but we had a great time and i think my favorite part and consistently from what i've heard from people Throughout the event, post events, text messages that we've gotten in from our voice text and voicemail line is everybody laughed and had a great time because Bobby made it a great time. Bobby was chirping me the entire time, yeah. the entire time, as as he should have been, as he should have been, which was great. And you guys are going to be able to see that all on our video. We're trying to collect all the video and the photos from the event this weekend. That'll be all out this week. So you guys get a better idea of what exactly happened. But we had a ton of video, ton of pictures and yeah, it didn't it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. But then again, Bobby brought his own ball, and uh, we found out too that he checked out Kings earlier in the week too to to get his official scouting report. But overall, the event was was amazing. Bobby Portis couldn't have been a nicer guy. Such a nice and guy. And he he the interactions that he had with fans 
willingness willingness to take pictures to sign autographs uh to talk with us for a lengthy amount of time about 20 30 minutes um going back and forth with him i i will say this again and now we can say it with even more confidence than we did before Bobby gets a really bad rap from what happened last October, and I think the jokes that are made and the easy put off, the tweets at him, I think he just get he gets the bad he gets a bad rap, and one incident I think is kind of tarnished it a little bit yeah. for people that don't understand who he is as a person. But man, right. he is one of the nicest guys that I think I've met in the NBA, and I'm we're hoping that this projects to Bulls fans and everybody that may not know who he actually is but he was he was outstanding and uh you know as you said it's it's kind of a shame that that what happened between him and and his former teammate Nico Miritich happened but you have to give the guy credit for the way that he came out after serving that suspension to start last season and just really upped his game and looked like a, a much more valuable player this past season than he was in his first couple of years in the league. And whether his future is here in Chicago, which is kind of foggy right now just because of all of the front court pieces that they have on their roster, or whether it's somewhere else, I'm, I'm rooting for the young man because you can't take what happened in that one instance where people, you know, tempers flare, people lose their cool and something bad like that happens and just completely assign it to that guy's character for the rest of his career and for the rest of his life. And it, like, it really irked me when we announced this event on social media and all sorts of people were cracking jokes about oh, like, oh, bowling with Bobby? Like, I'd rather watch boxing with Bobby. Ha ha ha. I'm so funny. Remember that time Bobby punched his teammate? And I, I didn't even give any response or credence to any of the people that chirped in with jokes like that because I, I don't want to pay it any mind. Like it's in the past, it's over and done with. Bobby served his punishment and it's and and has put it in his, you know, in his rearview mirror. It's over and done with. And he was like he struck me just talking with him uh, on Saturday as a guy who is very confident in his abilities as an NBA player and also so humble. And it's a team first guy all the way talking about how excited he is to be a part of this young team and and why he believes in his it, like his strengths and his abilities talking about you know setting that goal for himself to be sixth man of the year and also why he believes in the young teammates around him he's confident but he's humble and uh, all of that came through and we were uh, lucky enough to chat with him on Saturday and um, just just the nicest guy <laughs> one of the funniest things that happened is that uh, you know my, my mom is not like a huge Bulls fan uh, she's you know she's a casual fan she knows that you know, all of, you know, her husband, her her two sons, uh, her son-in-law are all, you know, big Bulls fans. And th- this is what I do. So she came out to support me just as your folks did for you. And my mom was like, you know, Bobby gave me a hug and called me ma'am. Like, he's such a polite young man. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. Like, he gets that bad rap, like you were saying, but could not be a nicer guy. Bobby mentioned that I know you tried to get him to get to a win total in our in our talk with him, but the one thing that he he didn't give a win total, but he did say he thinks this team's making the playoffs. So Bobby seems pretty confident in what this team can do this year, and obviously, of course, he thinks they're going to make the playoffs. But uh, it seems like he's confident in this core group, and he he said specifically too. He said, you know, a lot of these guys that are part of this main group haven't had a whole lot of time last year to play together. But he said that he feels like the chemistry of this team is coming together, and a lot of people are sleeping on the, this Bulls team. And he understand that as soon as we brought up the question, he he realizes it just as many as as much as Bulls fans do is 
how people are kind of writing them off this season and saying, yeah, you know what? And even with the Vegas total putting them at the third worst team in the NBA, a lot of people don't realize the skill set and the cohesiveness that he thinks this team is going to have this season. So I'm I'm excited, and I'm excited for you guys to hear that entire the entire conversation with Bobby because we had some fun questions for him too. So we'll just got to talk to him about his game and what he's what he's seeing this season as far as his game goes and what the future is for this Bulls team. So it was it was an excellent event. Thanks to Kings once again for helping us put this on. Shout out to Dean's Dugout too. If you missed out coming to our event, we had a ton of really cool giveaways and that was thanks to Dean's Dugout. Autographed pictures, Jimmy Butler, Etwan Moore, Jordan Howard, Gary Fensick, a ton of different giveaways and everybody that showed up seemed like they went away with at least something. So it was great to see that too. So overall, I would say that this event was 100% a success and we got to thank everybody that came out that's listening now that came out to support us and most importantly came out to support Bobby Portis and I think he appreciates that more than anything else 256 I think we can now without a doubt say and we can put this to rest and who knows maybe Bobby would be open to a a rematch at some point down the line but right now unquestionably best bowler in his region Bobby Portis 256 man after going for his turkey, which is his third strike in a row, gave your boy the crazy eyes. Gave me the crazy eyes stare down. So I think that caps it off as the best part of the event is truly getting to see Bobby Portis with his crazy eyes. So that to me, was the highlight of the entire event. And I think there's video of it, too, so I can't wait to grab that as well and share it with all of you guys. One of the people who attended, I noticed, also snapped a pic and put it on on Twitter where, you know, Bobby's walking back to, uh, you know, take his next frame, which was yet another strike, and you're in the foreground and you're wiping sweat off your face with, like, some bar napkins, clearly feeling the heat and the pressure of the moment as Bobby was just putting it on you. Hilarious. So, I can't remember who tweeted that out, who was at our event, uh, but kudos to you, because that picture, uh, I think, summed up the competition aspect of, of Saturday's event. Yeah, shout out to one of our listeners for maybe one of the worst photos ever taken of me. So, yeah, that was that was great. I appreciate that very much, especially shared on Twitter. And also, thanks for the support, Matt, as we were going back and forth in this event. You know, I thought maybe (laughs) after two years of recording a show, my co-host would have my back a little bit. But it was the complete opposite. Come on, man. Yeah. Nobody in that room wanted to see Bobby lose to you. Come on. That's true. I was just giving the people what they wanted. A little friendly smack talk, obviously sucking up to Bobby because that's why we were there. Uh, at, at one point, I did. it was like in a tough spot, but you were starting to show a little momentum. I think it was in game two, and I said, I believe in you. Uh, I and didn't. that was the first time I've heard that, that was just, I think, the entirety of <laughs> the just, time we've ever recorded the show. I was trying to give you a little, a little you know, shallow optimism, a little false confidence. But, I mean, come on, man. I, I said from day one, I was just going to sit back and, and, and play color commentary on this entire event. You can't lose if you don't play. That was my strategy. You're the one who challenged the man. I never talked about my bowling skills. I'm not the one who said, I think I could take Bobby Portis. So, of course, I'm not going to throw myself into that competition. No, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and have a good time yucking it up and uh, and watching you embarrass yourself. Yeah, I, 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 would, take, I would take away this is... Yeah, it, the second game was more respectable than the first. And, you know, at 256, I, I'm more confident in saying now 
that he hit a 256 and nobody else in that room was going to be able to even come close to that. So that was cool. And then Bobby decided to play a couple other fans that showed up um, and want to do a, a game three with all of them. And then everybody got a chance to bowl as well. So it was a really great event. Bobby was Bobby also won that third game, yes, which I believe did. was a three person game. And then he made the two losers do push ups. That was great. And I don't know why you didn't do any push ups. <laughs> he spared me. Let's let's be honest. He spared me at least at that. I guess point. he embarrassed you enough without making you get down uh, and do push-ups. But yeah, I mean that was really fun. Bobby was clearly having a good time with it. And the little backstory on the push-ups is apparently that was their game back in college. So Coach Anderson and his former teammate Trey Thompson told me that they would go on Tuesday nights because it was the, first of all the cheapest night to go and bowl in Arkansas. And so him and they would go back and forth and they said the loser of that Tuesday night for a week had to do push-ups on command anywhere on campus, the winner said. So whether they were in class, walking to class, they were there in practice, if the winner called out that you had to drop and give them push-ups, they had to do it. It's kind of an ongoing battle back and forth, so that's why that that's sort of legacy as far as the bowling game goes. That's why he was making people go down and do push-ups when they were losers. So that was pretty funny. He put that up on his Instagram. So like we said before, Video, audio, photos from the entire event in its totality. We will have that this week for you. We'll share that with you guys, and we're excited to share it uh, for everybody that wasn't able to attend. So this was a great event once again, and like we said before, I think Bobby Portis is every bit of the nicest guy that we could imagine him being, and the rap that he gets from Bulls fans. Hoping, hopefully this opens eyes to not only Bulls fans, but uh, maybe some NBA fans out there that give him a bad rap. So this was really cool, great event. Once again, thank you to everybody who came out and helped us put this on, and it was a quick turnaround too. Very quick turnaround, and we were surprised the amount of people that ended up showing up, so we appreciate that. Appreciate all the support here on Locked on Bulls, and without you guys, without you, the listener, seriously, this event would never have been able to be happen, and the success of this event would have never been possible without people like you who listen to our show on the daily, who enjoy our content every single day, so we we totally appreciate that and want to thank you again for for backing us, and Absolutely. it turned out to be a great success. And, uh, you know, keep, keep an eye out, because I think this was obviously, uh, you know, a successful event where we had a great time. Bobby had a great time. The people that came out had a great time. So I think, you know, this will be the first live event of many uh, with us here at Locked on Bulls. And, uh, you know, sometimes it might be just something as simple as doing a watch party at a bar or doing a live recording of our show at a bar somewhere in Chicago. Um, And, uh, you know, not quite to the scale of Jordan taking out Bobby Portis at the lanes, but now that we have a feel for how these live events go and all the organizational aspects that go behind it, um, I definitely think that it's you know part of our plans as we move this show forward uh, and as as we move into a part of the year where we actually have games to watch, uh, we definitely want to do some more live events with uh, with all of our listeners and uh, all the Bulls fans out there. So uh, don't know yet. Obviously, just uh, kind of. Uh, regrouping after this uh, this Bowling with Bobby event um, so we don't know yet what our next public event will be or when but wheels are turning and we'll keep you guys posted on that front. we got to take a short break here on Locked on Bulls but we come back we're doing Bulls stuff SI dropped their top 100 players and so we want to share that with you as well as a few updates from players that have signed one former Bulls player officially now is no longer a Chicago Bulls so we'll touch on that real quickly a few other news and notes before we get out of here on this Monday stay right here with us at Locked on Bulls be back in 60 seconds 
back here on Locked On Bulls. And before we get to top 100 with Sports Illustrated's top 100 NBA players, as well as other Bulls transactions that have happened over the weekend, want to give a shout out to Dean's Dugout Sports Memorabilia and Card Shop in Naperville, Illinois. They hooked us up with all of our raffle giveaways. Want to give them a huge shout out and a huge applause. They gave us everything we had. So anything that was given away in the raffle this weekend, autographed-wise, was given from us from Dean's Dugout. And want to remind people that Dean's Dugout is holding a autograph signing. So they do this all the time, hold autograph sessions with Chicago sports players, Hall of Fame players. It's seriously one of the best spots to get an autograph and to meet a player. They're holding a signing with outfielder Daniel Polka of the Chicago White Sox Monday, October 1st, 2018. So that's Monday. Monday, October 1st, 6.30 to 8 p.m. at Dean's Dugout. That's 2035 South Washington Street in Naperville, Illinois. Tickets are $25. That includes a picture with Daniel Palka as well as autograph and free free embroidments. So you can get anything written on your autograph if you want. $25 tickets. Those tickets are going fast. They only have $150 to sell. So make sure you get those tickets for Daniel Palka if you want to meet Chicago White Sox outfielder Daniel Palka. That's once again Dean's Dugout. Thanks to them. 2035 South Washington Street in Naperville, Illinois. All right, Matt, back from the weekend. And I, I told you this before we started the show. And it comes with a little bit of sad news, not only for Chicago sports fans, but as we were coming back from break, uh, rest in peace to Mac Miller. I don't know if you were a Mac Miller fan, Matt, growing up, but um, it's sad, sad news that he passed away this weekend. Um, So anybody out there who's a fan of his music, I actually just bought tickets last week to go see him late November, and now he has passed away. So be playing Mac Miller beats the entirety of the week uh, in honor of his name. But outside of that, too, found out Michael Kopech is going to need Tommy John surgery and then on top of this comeback win against the Bears the Packers defeating the Bears last night uh it's it was a rough weekend and I think I've told you this as a White Sox fan this might be the worst weekend as far as a Chicago sports fan goes if you're a Sox fan and combined with a Bears fan this might be one of the worst weekends for news and announcements probably in the history I can't think of any other weekend that's hit us with back-to-back disappointing 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 loss and disappointing news. The one that comes to mind for me is I want to say February something 2015 when on the same night Derrick Rose got hurt and Patrick Kane broke his collarbone and Bulls and, and Hawks were both gunning for you know playoff runs. Um, Kaner ended up coming back. Rose uh, ended up coming back uh, and you know going on to you know Hawks ended up winning the cup. Um, which was amazing. Kane came back way faster than anybody thought he would. Derrick Rose and the Bulls made it to round two against Cleveland. But, um, yeah, I think that that was uh, definitely the, the first one I thought of as far as like, wow, could weekends go any worse for Chicago sports fans? That one, the, the, when, when Rose and Kane got hurt on the same night, uh, that's like, okay, well, two of the biggest stars in this city went down and, and you know, their teams that had these high playoff aspirations, those were all da- dashed. It sucks. Even as a Cubs fan, I feel for the Kopech news. It's awful. Um, and, uh, you know, the Cubs themselves had a pretty awful weekend. You know, they lost a doubleheader yesterday. With more weather problems over there uh, in D.C. Brewers had a great weekend. So now the Cubs division lead that once was pretty comfortable is now getting dangerously thin. And, yeah, I mean, I can't 
I, it's, I can't even talk about that Bears-Packers game from last night yet. It's still so raw, and I uh, just I feel I feel like shit. Pardon my language. I feel like absolute shit. Um, as for Mac Miller, like I know he was like a really big up and coming artist that a lot of young you know people in like the rap and hip hop kind of uh realm were really were really into um but i i i had to laugh to myself when you asked me like i don't know if you were a mac miller fan growing up uh no because mac miller was growing up after i grew up kid was that's true. 26 years old but then again you were in your mid 20s like early mid 20s when he made his come up well i guess like, that's true remember. like he came out when he was a teenager right like with his first stuff yeah. and got big yeah but i i mean yeah. i didn't know like i that's never really been my uh my uh, uh preferred area of like musical music genres but i do like when he, when i found out he died i went back i went and listened to some of his tracks and the kid was insanely talented a great talent nike's on my feet is probably one of the first big ones that a lot of people can connect with also his first album blue slide park or that was his second album um he had a bunch of mixtapes before that but yeah he rose to stardom which was crazy his teenage years between 17 and 19 um had a little bit of a drop off but i think people forgot how young mac miller actually was he's only 26 years old and it seemed like he had already peaked in his career and it was a time where i know i don't want to get too into this but it was a time where Wiz khalifa was coming up at the same time a bunch of other artists in that same realm lupe fiasco from chicago that was kind of their time and mac miller was trying to make a push he just he had a bad year and it's it's sad the way that it ended here um but yeah be playing that in his uh, in his memory, beats from Mac Miller the entire week. So, yeah, it, it's it's sad. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably uh, fans of Mac Miller as well. So rest in peace again to Mac Miller. Let's, uh, let's get to some basketball stuff, though, Matt. First and foremost, I want to start here with David Nwaba. So David Nwaba officially signed with the Cavaliers on a one-year deal, on a minimum deal. How do you feel about this? Because at first, when I saw that he was going to sign for a minimum I wasn't too happy. I wasn't too pleased, to be honest with you, because it seemed like the negotiations that were going on all summer between him and the Bulls sounded like David Nwaba wanted more money than he was actually going to get, and the Bulls didn't want to offer him anything. And now we're kind of finding out that he signed it for the minimum, that maybe it was more about fit than it was about money. And to me, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering the lack of depth at the wing position and especially the lack of depth at defense that the Bulls are going to have this season, at least initially. What are your feelings on how what ended up happening with David Nwaba, him going to a team for a minimum? Yeah, especially after everything that we heard from the Bulls front office as the season was coming to a close was that they really liked David Nwaba and were planning on keeping him. And then, oh! Ah, oh, guess what? Oh, oh, wait, we can go out and get Jabari? Well, well, plans change. It's, you know, and to me, it, it, it kind of uh, rang similarly to, we're going to get younger and more athletic. Oh, oh, wait, Dwayne Wade's available? Well, let's go sign Dwayne Wade, because why not? Um, a friend of the show uh, who we had on recently, uh, Mark Karanzolis, he, I noticed he had a tweet that was like, you know, paying Nuaba a one-year minimum is exponentially better than paying Jabari Parker $20 million for a season. Uh, I don't know if Bulls fans would necessarily all see it that way, but it certainly seems like, especially as I have expressed on this show, I am terrified of how awful, and I mean god-awful, this Bulls team is going to be defensively this season. Outside of Dunn, Nawaba was the best defensive player on this team last year. And he's gone, 
And the Bulls, as you said, are kind of, you know, it's about fit. They wanted to bring in Jabari. They've got, you know, Levine at the two, and they've got, they added Chandler Hutchison. They, you know, they still want to focus on making Denzel Valentine a piece of this rebuild. And they just didn't really have a spot for Nawaba as far as minutes at, at his positions. So, in that sense, it kind of stinks when you think that we could have kept that guy for the minimum. But I think you're right in the sense that Nawaba signing to a one-year minimum deal with the Cavs is maybe just because that's what he could get. And it's not like that that's something that could have come out of him negotiating to stay with with Chicago. I, I don't think that that's what you would have seen. If the Bulls kept him, they would have ended up paying him more money. So it's like I'm not I'm not devastated by it. But it does kind of stink to be like, wow, well, you know, we, we decided to let Nawaba go and he's making the minimum to go play for a, a, a central division rival. Not just, you know, it's not just that they're paying him a minimum. It's he's making the minimum and is going just two states over and playing for Cleveland. Yeah, it's not LeBron's Cavs anymore, but it's still a division opponent. That stinks. I hope that uh, the Bulls knew what they were doing and uh, that they can find other ways to get some stops on a nightly basis without David Nwaba because the guy was unquestionably just 100% workhorse on the defensive end last season, and uh, the Bulls will miss that. He was a great story, too, coming from a guy that paid to have a tryout in the G League and making it all the way to the point that he's at. Look, the the, the comparison of spending the money on Jabari Parker and re-signing David Nwaba, that's apples and oranges to me, and I know Mark was making the comparison and. Optimistic Bulls fans were chirping at him, unfollowing him, and I think our, our friend from the Athletic, Stefan Nell, he had the same take, more so that they let Nawaba walk and his defense walk, and then they decided to sign Jabari. Look, I think that's apples and oranges to me. My my question is, is like you could have had both. We could have had both. Like David Nawaba could have been a part of this, and it's not saying it's a make or break as far as he's going to turn out to be some superstar or anything. But I think it, it. you saw a great season. David Nwaba proved that he can be in the NBA and on this team. And then they kind of played around with the fact that, oh, well, they felt like the Bulls felt like that their depth at the two and the three was good enough to let him walk and not sign him to a multi-year deal. I don't know if I agree with that decision. I liked David Nwaba a lot, and I thought he could help with that second unit, especially defensively. And Chandler Hutchison is going to go through some stuff this season. We're going to see some some lumps that he's going to take at the wing position. Same thing with Wendell Carter Jr. It happens to every single rookie. Uh, I thought it would have been a good job to maybe at least see what David Nwaba could get you. And especially now that we see that he signed with on, on a minimum deal, like that hurts even more. So I think you could have had Parker and you could have had Nwaba, but instead they decided to go a little bit of a different routes and hell maybe they're going to take a chance on one of these guys and maybe they felt like they could use Antonio Blakeney to fill in for that two that one and two spot instead of David Nawaba and beef up their their guard position and their shooting and then just they're kind of doubling down and going all offense and saying you know what we'll figure it out on defense but we want to have as many scores on this team as possible so I can understand it from that fact but comparing Jabari signing for one year 20 million dollars to David Nawaba signing the minimum to me that's just apples and oranges like it those two 
together, I don't think can really necessarily be compared. And it's not fair to Jabari Parker either, and it's also not fair to David Nwaba. But yeah, definitely thought the Bulls should have brought him back, especially if it only was going to cost them a minimum deal. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe maybe Raleigh Alkins can do something special this year on that two-way deal, or maybe Antonius Cleveland or Derek Walton Jr. will surprise us in training camp, and we'll soon to forget David Nwaba, but I think that's a little far-fetched. But yeah, sad to see David Nwaba go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I wish him luck in Cleveland, and hopefully he, he you know has success there and either earns himself a, a multi-year deal with, with Cleveland or uh, from another team. Uh, as he'll be a free agent again in 2019, um, and yeah, to me, it's just uh, a definitely going to it's going. You're going to see the impact on the defensive end. You know, Nuaba wasn't a great scorer by any stretch, um, and the guys that they have chosen to focus on instead of keeping Nuaba are certainly more gifted scorers than Nuaba would ever be. Um, we'll see how that effect uh, of his absence shakes out, but. Um, yeah, wishing him all the best. He was he was a great story, as you said, and a fun story in a in a pretty ugly tanking season last year. Uh, one question for you though: so the the fact that they didn't sign Nawaba back that to me tells me that the Bulls have all the confidence in the world and guys like Denzel Valentine to fill that role and want to see what Chandler Hutchinson can do in his rookie season. So to me, that tells me yeah, Denzel Valentine is better than advertised as far as the way the Bulls see it. And they would rather use him and see what they have in him in that second unit coming into this year and also see what they have in Chandler Hutchison. And this gives him more of an opportunity because if David Nwaba came back, I don't know if we would have saw a whole ton this year from Chandler Hutchison outside of maybe 10 to 12 minutes at the back end of third quarter blowouts or if they're getting blown out in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, that's what we've seen from Hutchison in his rookie year. But now that Nawab is gone, Hutchison's going to have to step up and be sort of a vital role as far as a rookie goes in that wing position. Because like we said, the, there's no length at the three outside of Parker. You've got Hutchison there and then you're going to play Denzel Valentine as kind of a small ball three. Um, but they seem to believe in Denzel Valentine more so than they need that they felt like that they didn't need David Nwaba and they could get the same production out of Hutchison and Valentine. Well, yeah, but no, but I mean, if if they believe in Valentine and that he is, you know, can be just as useful as Nwaba on the defensive end, they're fooling themselves. Uh, Valentine, obviously a more gifted three-point shooter than Nwaba is, but and you mentioned the lack of length, especially at that wing spot. And Jabari's defensive weaknesses at that wing spot. But yeah, obviously the hope is that Chandler Hutchison can turn himself into a pretty solid two-way player in this league. And he has the size and the length that Nawaba didn't. I mean, like, in a stretch, Nawaba could guard some of the threes in this league, even as as undersized as he is. But, like, Chandler Hutchison's 6'7 with the 7-foot-plus wingspan. Like, that guy can absolutely guard wings and even guard some stretch fours with his size and his length in ways that Nawaba could not and in ways that Denzel Valentine certainly cannot. So I think Hutchison has the pieces and the tools to turn himself into a pretty solid player on the defensive end at multiple positions. Defensive versatility is something that Paxson talked about when they took Hutchison. Um, that's the hope for me. Letting Nawaba walk, I have I have hope in Hutchison being a guy who can step in and replace some of that defensive efficiency, if not immediately over time. Um, less less so optimistic about Denzel Valentine in that regard. One quick note: Denzel Valentine last year was a defensive rating of one eleven. David Nawaba one ten, 
And defensive box plus minus, Denzel Valentine was a negative .1 last year, so basically an average defender. David Nawaba slightly above average at .9, so not that far off. I think people might be surprised by that. So Denzel Valentine's not as bad of a defender as I think people um, have a notion of as far as what they think he is. The statistics say a little bit differently, and I know David Nawaba is only going to build from what he did last year, but... The ratings, the defensive box plus minus, not that far off, but definitely 25 years old, turning 26 this year. I thought that they could have used David Nwaba, but maybe now we're going to be able to see a little bit more from Chandler Hutchison in his rookie than we initially thought. But yeah, defensively, uh, not that far off from Denzel Valentine and David Nwaba. So maybe they're hoping for another step from Denzel this season, and we'll find out. Last thing we need to get to, though, is Sports Illustrated's top 100. So, top 100 NBA players right now coming into this season. And Matt's only one Bulls player to make it. That's right. And is anyone surprised at who it is? It's the finisher. It's the finisher. I mean, that's what I expected. I When I saw this published this morning, uh, and it's just the uh, back half of their top 100 list, so it's 100 through 51 that they released today, and I'm guessing that they're going to release the other half of the list, I don't know, sometime later this week. And I was so I was saying to myself as I'm scrolling through, if anyone on this Bulls roster is making this list, it's probably going to be Markkanen. Um, no offense to Jabari, no offense to Levine, but they're just not really that good. Um, Markkanen comes in at 84, uh, and you know they highlight, of course, his uh, the 145 three pointers he made last season. Uh, most in, in NBA history by a rookie taller than six foot nine. Uh, they mentioned, you know, of course, his fifteen and seven point five uh, points and rebounds per game, respectively. In you know, a, in what was a tanking team, uh, a tough time to be, you know, one of those rookies who really uh, makes your mark on a season. Whereas some guys like Simmons and Jason Tatum were playing on much better teams. Uh, they mentioned the fact that he's better defensively than advertised. Um, and that you know that he is gonna that he put some some weight on this off season and hopefully we'll we'll have more offensive versatility coming in and uh, you know a, a versatile guy who can do some damage in the post as well as putting the ball on the floor and and highlighted that he along with some of those other bigger name rookies did make the all rookie first team so I, I mean I think I think it is goes right along the lines of how you and I feel about this Bulls core and that he of the pieces they have right now is the best player with the highest ceiling and they're Levine believers and they're Jabari believers who will say are you kidding me like how are they putting marketing on that top 100 list and not Levine and not Jabari the evidence is the evidence and I would have been surprised to see either of them on this list and I was not surprised to see marketing on this list yeah it's not to say that I don't think Parker or Levine can't be a top 100 player or couldn't be on this list. I think it's going off of last year's production and kind of what they see this year, kind of basing it off of that. And they're looking at Markin and hoping that he takes that step like we do. And it's hard to tell just from 25 games that Levine played in last year and what was it like 30, 32 games that Parker played for the Bucs last season, including his good playoff stint. But still, a lot of unknowns between those two guys, and I think that's why they were left off this top 100 list. Now, if they play well this year, they could be definitely right back in here. But I think Markinen is the surest bet out of the top 100, and that's why he's on this list. So I don't know. I wouldn't get 
too out of sorts about this list either. Top 100 players, it's all opinion-based as well. So I wouldn't get too out of sorts if you're somebody that thinks Levine can be, should be in this top 100 or thinks that Parker should be in this top 100. I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about it, but it is surprising to see Markkinen make that uh, top 100 after just one rookie season. And that's good things. That's good to know that national writers are seeing what we see in Markkinen's rookie year, and hopefully he takes that next step this year and becomes a dominant force for years to come. One last thing, Matt. Sports Illustrated also had this, and I wanted to mention it to you too. They put out the five teams that they said the NBA, five NBA teams that should be tanking this season. And guess what? The Bulls are not on this list. I'll name those five teams right now for you. The Atlanta Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the New York Knicks. The Bulls are not a part of that list. So I know you're somebody who thought that the Bulls should be tanking again this season. How do you feel not being a part of that top five teams? Uh, Does that say to you that, okay, maybe national writers are thinking that this team's going to put their foot on the gas and accelerate this rebuild that the way that the Bulls front office is hoping that they're going to do? Um, Or you feel like these five teams are the bottom feeders and the Bulls aren't really a part of that? I mean, my first thought is, wow, if the Cavs are supposed to be tanking, why did they just sign Kevin Love to like a $100 million contract? That seems to be kind of counterproductive. Uh, You know, the Knicks, depending on, you know, they're probably going to play a good chunk of this upcoming season without the, you know, the unicorn, Chris Stops Porzingis. So in that sense, they don't have a whole lot of other things to be excited about there. I get that. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are trying to recover from a few awful years and a few awful trades from Mikhail Brokerov and are working their way back, but still, I think, are far enough away competitively um, with the talent they have on their roster. So that makes sense. Atlanta, of course, makes sense. What did you say? Phoenix was the other team on that list? Okay, yep. sure. You know, Devin Booker. And, uh, you know, adding a guy like DeAndre Ayton to that young core, interesting, but probably still not going to be competitive in a very would get very good Western Conference. Am I surprised the Bulls aren't on that list of teams that should be tanking? I mean, I guess not, because you look at the money they spent this offseason. They paid Zach Levine big money and are expecting a big jump from him in his first full season with the Bulls after a very, you know, awkward 25 games. Uh, coming off an ACL and playing on a tanking team, and they are expecting big things from Jabari Parker, who are they? Who they are paying twenty million dollars to to come in and be a big part of this team, a big piece of this young rebuilding team, and you know be a great offensive player that he never quite was in Milwaukee. Because of the money the Bulls spent, you can look at it and say, okay, well, a, a team paying that kind of money for those players is not a team that's trying to tank. That's a team that's trying to be competitive, and that's what the front office has said. As soon as the season ended, back in April, they said, you know, we're not having another season like the one we just had. That still doesn't mean that that I have to agree with the fact that the Bulls front office believes they should be contending. doesn't mean that I, I don't necessarily think I'm wrong and that it is in the Bulls' best interest to go back to a high lottery pick again next summer. I think most people would believe that we could use another piece. We were just saying in a show last week that neither of us are convinced that Markkinen can be the number one guy on a championship contending kind of team. We're optimistic. We believe in his high ceiling, but we, we're not convinced. How do you add more talent? Go back to the lottery. So to me, the fact that the Bulls didn't make this list, like whatever, 
it doesn't change my opinion of where I think the Bulls should be and what I think the Bulls should do if they come into the final 20 games of the season and they're on the outside looking in. If that's the if that's the situation, I want all of the losses. I want all of the losses. A lot's going to be riding on the first two months of this Bulls season. Whether or not they have to pivot and decide if they get off to a horrible start, pivot and say, okay, maybe we do want to be in this top part of the lottery. And if they play well, then obviously they shouldn't be in the tanking. So looking at the five teams that they were given, like you had said, mentioned Cleveland really quick. Uh, Dan Gilbert's making a business decision to sign Kevin Love just to draw fans in. Uh, That's one main piece and part of it. But also, too, they're going to need something. They're going to need something to entertain fans outside of just Colin Sexton because really, who's going to go there to watch them watch Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith play 30, 32 minutes a night and hardly anybody? So I think what they're saying is the best path to success is to try to get a top five pick and get some noise going for fans that are LeBronless now in Cleveland. couple other notes too. Mention the Phoenix Suns really quick. Yeah, they're going to have a young team and I think they're going to struggle this year too, but they're clo- getting closer and closer to be a pretty competitive team. But uh, one quick setback as far as the Suns go, Devin Booker is going to have surgery on his hand. Uh, so he's going to expected to miss four to five weeks. And so that's going to lead you right up to uh, opening night. So he might not be ready for opening night, but he should be back within the first few games, barring any setbacks. But I think they're going to struggle too. They've got some nice pieces, but I think they're going to struggle as a young core this season, especially having to play in the West. The West is so stacked. And then finally, the New York Knicks make sense. They're going to cradle and hopefully cradle as much as they can. Kristaps Porzingis' comeback this year and not rush it because rushing it to make an eighth or seventh seed and also ultimately get bounced out of the first round isn't really advantageous for them. They've got guys that they want to see play, Kevin Knox, Frank Neatlakina, and also Mitchell Robinson, who they took this year. See those guys develop and perform and see what they have from them and ultimately If you end up in the top five for the Knicks, plus all the cap space that they're going to have with Butler, Irving, and Durant all being free agents next year, that's probably the best setup for the Knicks as far as they go. And not rushing Kristaps Porzingis back from an ACL injury is also key for them. So I can't really argue with any five of these teams on this list, and I think you hit it right on the nose, is the Bulls said that they were done tanking, that they weren't going to follow that path again. And so that's what we have to believe until we see in the first two or three months of this season whether or not that this season is going downhill or is on the path that the Bulls front office believes it's going to be on in the first couple of months. So crossing my fingers that it's more optimistic in the first couple of months than it is talking about maybe going back to the lottery. And I don't think it's uh, outrageous to suggest that the Bulls, after all 82 games have been played, have more wins than all of the other teams on that list. Like, it's not it's not necessarily likely if, if you know if the Cavs aren't trying to tank, we'll see what Colin Sexton, Sexton can do as a rookie. I think he's going to be a pretty exciting guy to watch. Will Kevin Love have uh, you know a reemergence as a twenty and ten kind of guy, being the focal point in Cleveland now? LeBron's gone. I'm not convinced that the Cavs are going to be awful this upcoming season, um, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't be shocked if the Bulls end up with a better record than those five teams mentioned. Which why I can understand why they. We're not on that list of should be tanking teams, but I also just as easily could say if the Bulls somehow find a way to lose fewer games than one or any combination of those those five teams listed, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. The only other thing too about the Cavs that's interesting is a lot of people have some hype around Jetty Osman 
think that he's going to be the guy and sort of LeBron's he's LeBron's guy too and he felt that like LeBron has been working out with him all offseason I've seen him a bunch of different things with LeBron so seems like a lot of Cavs fans at least initially have a lot of faith in him to turn out to be some type of budding star and we'll find out if him along with Colin Sexton and then they have Kevin Love too like you had mentioned that team might be better than advertised but it might not be that fun of a product to watch this year but I think you're right. I think the Bulls can have a better win total than all five of these teams on this list. And if they do, then that knocks you out of the contention and you're right back kind of where you were last year, hanging around the six, seven, eight seed if things do go bad. But I think the Bulls' win total is going to be higher than any of these three, any of these five teams when it's all said and done, if everybody stays healthy. Uh, you, you want to put a wager on that now? Just for fun? Sure. Knicks, Cavs, Suns, Nets, and Hawks. I think the Bulls' win total is going to be better than all five of those teams. I believe at least one of those teams will have a higher win total than the Bulls. Okay, I will take yeah, I will take the Bulls over on all of that. All of all five of those teams, I don't think are going to be as good as the Bulls, barring health. All right, well we'll uh, we'll settle on terms of a of a bet once uh, you know once you have a chance to get past your most recent loss from this weekend because <laughs> you know, we don't want that clouding your your judgment when we decide what the terms of this bet are, but. Uh, I believe that one of those teams will find a way to win more games than these Bulls. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Once again, you can follow us on social media at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Bulls. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com, and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Hit us up with all of your text messages and your voicemails. We want to hear from you. That's 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. 256. <laughs> Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked On Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 